You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided, for Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday. And we are inching ever closer to the NFL Draft, and that is where our focus is going to be for today's show. There haven't been any free agent signings. The Packers have been quiet. The market has been quiet. We found out some things like the Packers never offered Malcolm Butler a contract, never made contact really about that. And that, you know, that's not a big surprise. There are some corners that are still in the market that the Packers could be interested in. And and those are things that we're going to get to. But what I want to start with, and what I want to spend the, the lion's share of today's show on, is this idea of need. Because mock drafts are interesting. And I, I have always liked them. They're, they're just a fun exercise and they get a bad rap, I think, because some even people in the media, but fans as well, will say, "Well, you know, this is not this is not going to happen. This is not predictive, or you're stupid for thinking this, or whatever it is." And I get that. For me, I don't like predictive mocks. I think they're sort of garbage, um, just because the the draft is just not going to play out the way that. Or at least expecting a mock to be predictive. Let me let me rephrase that. Reading a mock and expecting someone to get everything right, that's not going to happen. Even the most hooked-in reporters, I mean, Peter King and Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter, the guys that that know more about what people are thinking in the league than anyone else, even, even other people in the league, they, at best, will get 10 out of 32 picks in the first round correct. The idea that this has to be accurate is just silly. What you should take from a mock draft is these are the players likely to be available in the range your team is picking. So if you're a Packers fan, don't just look at who Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay or anyone on NFL.com, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, Charles Davis... Wherever you like to go for your mock drafts, whatever your particular brand of vodka is, mock draft-wise, don't just look at 14. Look at 10. Look at 18. Look at 16. Who are the guys in range for your team? Because inevitably, there are going to be trade-ups. There's going to be a lot more things going on. Things are going to happen in the draft that these mocks simply can't predict. And you don't have to be mad, oh, Mel Kuyper didn't tell me this was going to happen. Okay, because Mel doesn't know. That's not the point. The point is for you to know who is likely to be available when your team is going to pick. 
And so that is what I have tried to do over the course of the last two months. I've, I've tried to lay it out there. These are the players that are likely to be available. And, and I've given you the, the list of names ad nauseum at this point. I, I think when you look at a mock draft at this point, now post-free agency, the more important question is, what does this team require? And this is part of a series of shows that we're going to do because this week I'm going to I'm going to do a piece for SB Nation about and it may be up by the time you're listening to this about the roadmap who are the players that are going to be available that the Packers could like where are they likely to be available in the draft and how that means the Packers should attack this draft because all of those things matter if there are receivers that the Packers can get that are good in the third, fourth, and fifth round, and there are, then maybe getting one at the top of the draft is less important. But all of that is conditioned on the premise of who the Packers need. Now, just a quick refresher on my position on best player available. I believe that reaching for players based on need is a bad idea. But what I believe is a team should take a player not based purely on his grade, but based on his impact for your team. That's not just in year one. That's in year two, three, four, five, and beyond. But what the Packers need to determine is where this team needs to get better because what teams will often do is they tier these players. And so you might have, let's say, five blue-chip elite talents. And then maybe you have eight red-chip talents. Slightly below. They're not guarantee franchise players, but they're very good. And then there's this other group. Let's say that there's this group of six to eight. Given the numbers that I just put together, those are the numbers. That's where the Packers are likely to be picking. Now, that was arbitrary. I didn't, you know, I don't think there are five blue chip players in this draft. I think there are maybe two. I'm a huge Josh Rosen fan and a and a Saquon Barkley fan. Those are the guys. Those are the blue chip players in this draft. Then there's this group of red chip players. I think Denzel Ward is in that mix. Derwin James is in that mix. Marcus Davenport for me, I understand not for everyone for me, is in that mix. But here's the point. You have to understand who's going to be available when. That is not necessarily what I want to focus on today, but that is something that I will focus on in future shows and in a piece for SB Nation coming out this week, putting together a roadmap for the draft. That is important. I compare it to a fantasy football draft. There are some similarities. Don't laugh. I mean, this is serious. The reason that running backs in a fantasy draft go early is because there is a limited resource there. Running backs are a limited resource in fantasy football. Now, they've become less important in in certain leagues because of PPR and because of the, the marginalization of running backs in general in the NFL for a lot of teams. But but here is the point here. Here is the, 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 the metaphor that I'm making. 
The reason those running backs go early is because you can't get good ones in rounds four, five, and six. Usually what happens is the good ones go early. There's five or six really good ones. And then you have to get lucky. You have to find that 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 waiver wire guy or you have to trade or whatever it is. In the draft, you have to know where your value is. And the Packers actually seem to have an idea baked into their draft strategy. Ted Thompson saw value in receiver in the second round relative to the first round. You look at the Jordy Nelson pick. He could have made that pick in the first round. But what the Packers did instead in that case was trade down knowing they still could get a really good player at the top of the second, which they did. They see value in offensive line in mid-rounds. They've had tremendous success finding offensive linemen in rounds three, four, and five. What they tend to look for in round one, pass rushers, defensive linemen, offensive linemen. That is their round one history. That is where they find value. And this is this is congruent with what we know about the value of, of NFL draft picks. If you want a pass rusher, you better get him early. If you want a good offensive lineman, you can, you can find blue chip talent in the first round, but you can also find them in the mid rounds. This is the, the Packers have built this into their process. They've also taken defensive backs consistently and highly at the top of the draft. This is another truism of the NFL. You want a top-line corner or a top-line defensive back? You better get him early. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. So that brings us to the Packers. Remember the, the show I did a couple months ago, I talked about team building and how I think a team needs to be built. So number one, the number one most important position is quarterback. The Packers have that settled, and after trading for Deshaun Kaiser, they have a backup settled. Now, does that mean they're going to be unwilling to look for someone in the mid to late rounds? Someone like Kyle Laletta from Richmond, if he's there in the fifth or sixth round, which I, you know, I, frankly I find unlikely given the quarterback talent in this draft, but they have the group, I think, that they want. I, I would expect Brett Hundley gets traded for a late-round pick. He could get cut outright. They're not going to take four quarterbacks into camp, and frankly, I find it unlikely they will take three. My guess would be that they're going to have Rodgers, they're going to have Kaiser, and they're going to pick someone. That would just be my guess. I think Brian Gutekunst is looking to remake the quarterback position in the image of Ron Wolf. I think he's going to take one, if not one every year, one every other year. That was a Ron Wolf special. Remember, Gutekunst learned at the feet of Ted Thompson over the last decade, but he was hired by Ron Wolf. Okay, so quarterback, not, not something that the Packers are going to prioritize. The next thing is pass rusher. And we don't know how Muhammad Wilkerson is going to affect the way that this team views pass rusher. They have a three-down lineman set that they can use. Now, whether they're going to use a 4-3 or whether they're going to use a 3-4, a 
is a little irrelevant in this case because Muhammad Wilkerson can play on the edge. He did that in college. He's done that at various points for the Jets. So he is comfortable playing there if he's in decent shape. The Packers are going to have to determine because they haven't brought anyone in in free agency. Can they trust Nick Perry to be healthy? History says no. Can they trust Clay Matthews to be healthy? History says no. But Clay Matthews was very good last season for Green Bay. Nick Perry was very good two seasons ago for Green Bay. If you put those together, if they get those guys going at the same time, they have a potent pass rush if you add the interior pressure of Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Muhammad Wilkerson. They can have a very good interior pass rush. But the people who wanted Vita Vea, enough. After signing Muhammad Wilkerson, that dream is dead. I don't expect they'll take a defensive lineman until day three. They don't need to with Dean Lowry. They're four deep at the very least here. There's probably a June 1 cut that they'll sign at some point. So there's, there is, the defensive line is set. Now the question is at edge. And I think it's, it's a good question. They like Reggie Gilbert. Kyler Fackrell, we know what he is. We don't really know what Vince Beagle is. He hasn't had a full offseason. There were some pictures the other day of him with Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari. And, and Vince looks swole. I mean, he he looks just like built. He's got bigger arms than Bakhtiari and Clark, and that is saying something. So we'll see what he looks like. I don't think Green Bay can go into this offseason feeling like we're set. I just don't think they can they can feel that way. If they look at the roster, honestly, they can't look at it and go, we're good. They can't. So that means a pass rusher early. Now... I understand the questions about being ready in year one. I, I think they're overstated with Marcus Davenport. I think it's interesting that people are saying, oh, Marcus Davenport won't be ready right away, but they also want Lorenzo Carter in round two, who's a raw and, and unproven pass rusher. If the Packers want to upgrade the pass rush, it has to come in the first 100 picks. That is where you get premium pass rush help. And I think, again, as I, as I have said with the free agent outlook and needing to take it as a whole, I think you need to look at what, the, what all of the needs are and then establish a plan. If the needs are X, how do we attack those plans if we're the Packers? So pass rusher is on the list. Is it number one on the list? I don't know. But I don't know that it matters. It is on the list. And so if there is a premium pass rusher at 14, the, the two names that I have consistently mentioned on the show, Harold Landry and Marcus Davenport, if they're there on 14, they will be in the discussion. They will be in the conversation. They could be potential picks. The question is someone like Leighton Vander Esch from Boise State. He is getting some mid-first-round buzz. I don't see him as a mid-first-round player. But the Packers like him. He is an outstanding athlete. And he fits the bill. They like versatile athletes. And they like him on the edge. Could he play Sam Linebacker? Could he be a backup? Could he be Clay Matthews' Padawan learner? He could. 
that could make some sense. Is it the move I'd make? Probably not. I would I would hope that he'd fall, but he probably won't because athletes like that, guys who could rush the passer given his size, given his strength, given his athletic talent, plenty of teams could say, we run the right kind of scheme, we can get him free, we can get him wreaking havoc given his athletic tool set. I think clearly the Packers want to address that, and if they're going to address it, I think 14 or 45 is the place to do it. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. I, I mention this every show, and it's not for my health. I do it because I think the resources that are available to you behind the paywall at Pro Football Focus, a $39.99 value, I think you should have it. I think you deserve it. By listening to this podcast, you've proven that you want to you want to have all the information at your fingertips, and I want to give it to you. So put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes along with a five-star review. Not necessary for the contest, but necessary for my ego. So help me out. Really, help me out. I appreciate it. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. Again, that's a $39.99 value. It gets access to player grades, charts, NFL draft content. In a couple months, it will have all sorts of really useful fantasy football content. It will all be there for you. I think pass rusher is one of those positions that most Packer fans will agree exists. After that, what are the priorities? And I think this is a key here. So the three priorities, I think, coming into the offseason for most fans and most informed observers after pass rusher, and maybe not after, but in addition to pass rusher, corner, pass catcher, offensive lineman. That would just be how I would guess that that most Packer fans prioritized the offseason. I think that the addition of Jimmy Graham mitigates the need to say the Packers need to go get a pass catcher early in the draft. There are guys who will, who are going to be available third round, fourth round, fifth round, who could come in and help. And Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison, coupled with the running game, and I think the running game is key here, I think that reduces the need to say, okay, the Packers need to prioritize a pass catcher. I think the Jordan Matthews signing is still potentially out there. That is still a possibility. And so I don't think it's something that the Packers have to prioritize. Fourth round, great. Now, cornerback, this is a lock. Regardless of of who else gets signed, bro, house, whatever. They're going to take a corner in the first three selections of the draft. Take that if there's a bet in Vegas to make that, go, you know, take as much money as you can spare and go bet it. Because that is going to happen. They are going to take a corner. And if you haven't listened to our show from last week about about the changing thresholds, do that. It is possible the Packers have expanded their database of potential corners, and that could be a good thing. So now we've made this clear. Okay. Pass rusher, corner. Pass catcher maybe push down the list a little bit. Do they need a safety? Well, I don't think so. 
I think the the criticisms of Haha Clinton Dix are fair in some ways. He has not been the playmaker that he was expected to be. But remember, 2016, he was a Pro Bowler. He was excellent. And with a new defense, he can be very, very good. And Josh Jones was someone that the Packers players themselves have mentioned as guys, as a as a guy who could take a step this season in the defense. He's going to be someone who is going to have a lot on his plate and has the opportunity to earn that job. If Derwin James is there at 14, great. Justin Reed from Stanford, that's my dude. If he's available, I think it makes sense because he can play slot corner. Ditto for Derwin James. So I think that's a two birds with one stone type scenario. But I don't think the Packers need to prioritize that. If they wait until the fourth or the fifth round to add some depth there, I think that's fine. So again, we're looking at pass rusher and corner for the Packers. And then that gets us to offensive line. Now the thing about this is, much like corner, I don't know how many players are going to fit their needs that also fit their desires. Now, they've been linked to some offensive linemen who don't quite Again, like Mike Hughes, that don't quite fit everything they're looking for. They've been linked to some guards, some interior offensive linemen, which is rare for them. Ted Thompson likes to take tackles and convert them to the interior. Do they want to handle it that way? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they're looking at this from a different perspective. Don't be surprised if a name I haven't mentioned is in play at 14 And that's Connor Williams, the Texas offensive tackle. He can play tackle or guard. I think the Packers could slide him right in as the right guard and say, go, go. He can can play right tackle if Bulaga gets injured. I think in a pinch, he could play left tackle if Bakhtiari got injured. This is on the radar at 14. And I don't think Packers fans should be upset because of the way this draft plays out. There are guys, there are pass rushers to get at 45. Again, Lorenzo Carter is a name that has been talked about. Josh Sweat, maybe at the top of the third round. I think certainly a possibility that I've talked about on the show, trading back into the second, making a pick at 14, making a pick at 45, and then trading back into the second. If those three picks are offensive linemen, pass rusher, and cornerback, or defensive back, but I think more specifically cornerback. I think that is the roadmap that I think you should expect Green Bay to follow. Not because they're going to reach, not because they're going to, they're going to press. They're not going to get off their game. But when you have players graded similarly, assuming the board falls the way we think it's going to fall, if the draft falls in in an intuitive way, they can get those three positions in the first three rounds in ways that make sense for them. They don't have to press, which is exactly why they could go at 14 and say, we're going to take Connor Williams because we can, because we know we can get a corner in the second round and we can get a corner in the third. If you're the Packers, that is how you're thinking. I hope you understand how I'm using we here. I think it's funny, a lot of times you hear media people say we with their teams. When I say we, I'm not talking as if I'm part of the team. I'm talking about as if I am the team. 
if I am the team's mindset. As in, if it were me, what I would do. I just just hope that's clear. I don't know that I need to clear that up. I just want to make that clear because, and you know, Bill Simmons takes a lot of heat for this. There's a lot of, of, of media people out there that talk about their team as we. If I'm in an interview, if I'm talking about the Packers, I would never say we as in we are going to do something or we need something. That's just, if you do it, that's fine. 100% 100% fine. I'm not going to do it. I'm a media member. I, I try not to talk that way. When I say we, I mean I am putting myself in the position of the team and and assessing a situation as them, not as me, a fan. I am a fan. I will not hide the fact that I'm a fan. I've been a fan. I will always be a fan. The reason I, I cover sports for a living is because I'm a fan. And I think anyone that that disavows that reality is kidding themselves. But that's a whole other conversation for another day. We're going to have another show on Wednesday, another show on Friday, as we get closer to the NFL draft. There is so much to continue to talk about. We will do that. Ask me questions. Offer suggestions. Talk about players you want to hear me talk about. Hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. The podcast at Locked on Packers. Remember all the podcast content at LockdownPackers.com. You can find my writing at AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, Pro Football Weekly. It's all there for you. And always stay Locked on Packers.